0: Hi everybody, just got Bass from Las Vegas, I lost so much money there, <laughs> that's just a joke, just a joke, I don't gamble, I look around at all those big buildings and all that beautiful stuff and I'm like, yeah it doesn't look like they lose very much here, <laughs> being a business guy I'm like, there's more against us than there are for us, so, so I'm like, yeah, you're not getting my money. Yeah, but um, I'm glad to be back. We were at Church of Las Vegas there. By the way, they're just doing an amazing job there. And uh, so, well, let's pray. Let's come to that. I know they're passing the bag. Men, can you try and multitask? <laughs> I know the women will do it, but I'm not sure us men can do that. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing today. And we pray, God, <laughs> you would just, uh, Lord, let these people know I'm right about the things I'm sharing today. Help them be fully convinced. And uh, Lord, you said you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And we pray for new levels of freedom to come to each of us, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, You know, a couple of weeks ago, I actually been, um, I I, I share often that, you know, sometimes I don't get a message until the day before, but a couple of weeks ago, I started just thinking through the fact that. There are a lot of believers who actually don't know the theology of how they actually got saved, why they had to get saved, what it means to be saved. And I see people interacting on social networking, which is very interesting. And I'm like, read your Bibles. (laughs) You got a word for me? Yes, read your Bible. And I think there's a lot of Christians that don't actually know the Bible. Like, they don't actually read the Bible. Or if they do, well, whatever. Anyway, let's not be judgmental, Valentin. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, i know when i got saved my my mentor his name was art he said okay you read your bible every day and so you know i'm not sure i've done it every day but pretty close a couple times a day now okay genesis chapter one let's go to the beginning genesis chapter one you know whenever i think about something in the bible let's say in the new testament i'm reading a passage and it can be taken five different ways i'm like okay how do i how do i interpret this like you know, you ever get a text that doesn't have, you ever get a text from somebody that has no emotion to it? I like emojis now. At least you can like, hey, I'm smiling when I said that, you know, because you're like, wow, that was harsh. You know, and they're like, I was joking. And you know, the Bible doesn't have emojis. So it's like, you know, <laughs> sorry, that was a very bad description. But how many times do you, you read a verse or you read a chapter and you're like, well, that, that could be taken. There's lots of ways I could take that. Well, one of the things I like to do is go back to the beginning and go, okay, what was God's original intention in in any subject? What's the first time God spoke about that, and what's His original intention? So I want to take us back to the book of Genesis and just talk through creation and a little bit about how God uh, created us, why He created us, why we're on the planet, and uh, we're going to talk even about the devil today. (laughs) We don't talk much about the devil But we're going to talk a little bit about him today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31. God saw that all that he made, and behold, it was very good. Can you say very good? And there was evening and morning on the sixth day. Okay, um, let's just begin right here. When God created Adam and Eve, He created man and woman. First of all, we should note that He, he blessed them both. He and He told them both to lead. And how many know, He created God. God created them in His image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. The point is this, that God is not a man. It took a male and a female to represent the nature of God. If you oppress women, you lose half the revelation of the nature of God. Because God is, it took, in other words, He didn't make man in His image and woman not. And how many know, a man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. Women are equally powerful but distinctly different. And all I'm saying is, if you oppress women, how many understand that because creation tells us who God is, especially the creator, creation that is made in His image, how many know if you oppress or you demoralize, or you don't like one gender, how many understand, you lose part of the the revelation that God had for you to know God. Okay, the second thing that I'd like you to see, and this is really important, is that Adam and Eve were not created with a sin nature. How do I know that? Because God made everything, and he called it what? Very good. good. Okay, so if God said they were very good, then how many know Adam and Eve sinned without a sin nature? They made the wrong choice, but not with the nature that caused them to. Does that make sense? Okay, so then Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. We're just kind of jumping through the book of Genesis here. The Lord God commanded the man. Now, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. At this, at this point, there's just Adam. He's in the garden, and, he's, and, and God is commanding Adam. The Lord God commanded the man, verse 16, saying, From the tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall need it. Not you shall need. You shall need it. (laughs) No, no, that was the problem. You shall not eat it. (laughs) For in the day you eat from it, listen to this, you will surely die. For in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. Okay, what do we learn from this creation? Because Romans 1 says God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen what God made. Okay, so the first question we have to ask is, why did God put two trees in the garden? I mean, if you don't want me to eat the second tree, why plant it? And that goes back to this question of, why is there sin in the world? Like, why do people molest people? Why do, if, God, if God is love, why, does he, why do people murder? And why do people kill each other? Why do people, why do people rape one another and the, and the whole deal? Like, why do children get molested? Like, if God is good, then why do these things happen? It's called love. You're like, well, if God loves us, no, love, God loves us, and therefore, God wants us to be like Him in that we can love. Love requires free choice. See, God could program you to like Him, but He can't ever program you to love Him, because love requires choice. In order for me to have a choice to serve God, I have to have the choice to not serve God. In order to get rewarded for doing the right thing, I have to have the opportunity to do the wrong thing. This is free will. The reason people murder people isn't because God wants to, it's because man wants to. And God gave man a free will. But, but, but another point... Okay, so did you get all that? So the reason why God put a, a, a tree that you, the day you eat it, you'll die, how I many you know God put a tree of life and a tree of death in the garden? Which tree did God tell them to eat? God didn't put them both in there and go, take a (laughs) choice. Woo, it's like Las Vegas. Took the wrong tree. Ah, wrong door. You went to hell. (laughs) Now, how many do God put a good tree and a bad tree, and he didn't let them randomly learn, like, oh, got a 50% chance you ate the wrong tree. God said, eat this tree. Don't eat this tree. And by the way, if you do eat it, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You will die in the day you eat it. Are you with me? Okay, so, so the next thing we learned, so God gives them free will because love requires free will. And by the way, we're going to see this in just a minute, but you weren't the, the people, humans, were not the first creatures to sin. How many know the, that the angels sin before you sin? What does that tell us about heaven? That even in heaven, creatures all have free will? God loves free will. How many you know that birds, for instance, migrate south for the winter? God could have put instinct in you, and you could have served God through instinct, but then you wouldn't be able to serve Him through love. So God gave you a free will. The next thing we learn is that, um, is that God puts two trees in the garden, He gives us free will, and when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day we eat it, we're going to what? Die. How many know that Adam, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they did not die? Or did they? I'd propose that they were Adam and Eve. They were spirit, soul, and body. The part of them that would live forever was the what? Spirit, right? Their spirit, they were eternal, or, eternal beings. They were supposed to live forever. But how many know, the day that Adam and Eve ate that tree, that they actually, their spirit died. And from then on, and we'll talk more about it in just a minute, their children were born, sp- uh, sorry, soul and body, But their spirits were dead. They actually, that's the reason why you have to be born again. Because the first time you were born, you were born deformed. That's why you need to be transformed. Are you with me? Okay, now let's talk about one little other subject that I've never heard anybody teach. But probably they do. If Adam and Eve did what God wanted them to do, they would have ate the tree of what? Life. How long would they have lived? Forever. Where were they living? On Earth, which means that heaven couldn't have been made for man because they were intended to live forever. And did you notice in the book of Revelation that the new Jerusalem comes down? And that John says, I heard a voice that said, the tabernacle of God is among men. And what is the prayer you were told, taught to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on As it is in heaven. How many know we're trying to get people to heaven, but God's trying to get heaven in people? And by the way, I'd propose that God doesn't live in heaven. David said, the heavens, the highest heavens cannot contain Him. And how many know heaven and earth will pass away, which means heaven and earth are not eternal. But God's eternal, which means God's been here forever. Where did God live before there was heaven? In other words, if heaven was big enough for God, how many know God would live in heaven, but God was there before there was heaven? So I'd propose that heaven's in God. The reason why you go to heaven and see God is not because God's in heaven, but because heaven's in God. But here's a really cool thing. Heaven's also in you. That's what I heard. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk for a minute about the devil. Now, before the devil was called the devil, he was called Lucifer. Why don't you turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. Lucifer. Lucifer was his heavenly name. It meant light bearer, or one who shines light on things. And for verse uh, 11, we're going to find, um, well, let me just begin to read it. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre. You're going to find out that the king of Tyre is a metaphor for Lucifer. And say to him, thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Did you notice that Lucifer was in Eden, the garden of God? I'd proposed that the, that the garden that, Jesus, that God planted on earth was, a, was actually what he had already lived in in heaven. That when God planted the garden of Eden on earth, there is a garden in Eden in heaven. God was already making earth like heaven. You were in Eden, the garden of God, And there was precious stones where you're covering and rubies and topaz and diamonds and it goes on to talk about all kinds of jewels. And the the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. Lucifer had settings and sockets. The word settings and sockets are actually musical instruments. Lucifer literally had musical instruments in his body and we're going to see in just a moment there was three archangels in the Bible. There was Lucifer... There was Gabriel, and there was Michael. Lucifer was the head of the choirs. He literally had instruments in his body, and he led the choirs of God. He was beautiful, and in fact, the Bible goes on to say, at the time, he was the most beautiful creature God had ever made. How many know you have musical instruments in your body, too? Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. (laughs) How many know I was born with musical instruments? Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. How many know I was made with musical instruments in my body? It goes on to say, um, verse uh, 14, You were anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God, and you walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade... As a worship leader, you were, inter- you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned, therefore I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. And I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, in the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Your, you corrupt your corruption. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, and I put before you kings that will see you. uh, And Isaiah chapter 14 kind of continues the same theme. Verse 12. Oh, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, the sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You you, You who have weakened the nations. But you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will rise to the throne above the stars of God. I will sit at the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, God says, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Okay, so, now, what's happening? God, Lucifer, was once one of the cherubs, one of the, the angels who led worship. But he decided, because of his arrogance and pride, that he would be like God. And God thrust him down to the earth. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created the earth. And the earth was formless and void, First 1. The word formless and vo- void is the, word, is the Hebrew word chaos. So when, the, when Lucifer was thrust down to the earth, it, he wasn't thrust down to a beautiful planet. He was thrust down to, there was no moon, no sun, no water, no trees. You can imagine it was just like Mars, just a, a rock floating through the, through the space. And the Lucifer's on the planet, and we don't know how long, um, the scientists tell us the earth has been here for billions of years. So maybe he was here for a billion years. We don't know. Or maybe he was here for a week. We don't know. But all of a sudden, he hears these words. He's on the planet. By the way, one-third of the angels fell with him. And when they went from, from heaven to earth, they were, went from being called angels to being called demons. Are you with me? They're on the earth and for however long. And they begin to hear God say, let there be light, and there's light. And you know, this, he separates the light from the darkness and makes it a day, and you get the idea. And he's creating the rivers and the streams and, the, and, and life and planet, and he puts the moon and the stars, and all of that stuff begins to happen. There's an atmosphere, there's heavenly realm, and, and beauty begins to happen. Now, this is subjective. This is my opinion. Is it possible that Satan goes, oh, maybe God relented. Maybe God put me here, and he's relented, and now he's put me on... Earth and it's starting to look like heaven until the sixth day. And the Bible says that the serpent was in the garden when Jesus, when God said these words, let us make man in our image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. And let them rule over the fish of the, I'm sorry, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and listen to this, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And suddenly the enemy realized what the devil wanted. He wanted to be like God. I will be like God. God goes, no, you won't. And he thrusts him down to the earth. And by the way, this earth is just the prison before he's sentenced to the lake of fire. And God, why does God put him here? The first reason God puts the devil here is because... The devil wanted to be like God and God sentences, I will create billions of humans. He doesn't even know what a human is. There's never been a human before. And God says, and I will make them in my image and my likeness. And then God goes, here's, your, here's, your, here's what's gonna happen to you before I throw you a lake of fire. I'm gonna create billions of creatures who had what you wanted in heaven. They will all be like me. How many of you know the devil wasn't put on the planet to torment you? You were put on the planet to torment him. So now we have the garden. And, and Lucifer, as Lucifer, he's not Satan yet, he's Lucifer. And Lucifer is the most beautiful creature before humans. The Bible says that Lucifer was God's most beautiful creation before he created humans. And he inter- he's interacting with Eve. Remember, Eve's not interacting with a snake. He's, she's interacting with a beautiful creature. And that creature says to her, did God say you can't eat from any of the trees of the garden? She said, oh no, we can eat from all the trees of the garden except for this one tree. We can't eat it or touch it or we'll die. And Lucifer says to her, no, you will not die. But God knows that in the day you eat the fruit, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. How many of you know that Genesis 1 comes before Genesis 3? And Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. How many of you know they already were in the image of God? The devil said, listen, if you want to be like God, you have to do something. You have to eat this fruit. How many know they were trying to get through through, they were trying to get through performance what they already had through creation. It's called the curse. How many know it's one thing to work from love, it's another thing to work for love? It's one thing to work from identity, it's a total another thing to work for identity. And what happens in the garden is that God puts Adam and Eve over the planet. Remember this. God the, uh, David wrote, The heavens, the highest heavens, belong to the Lord, but the earth belongs to the sons of men. How many know that God put man in charge of the planet? But what happened in the garden is that when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they didn't just disobey God, they obeyed the devil. They changed gods. Why did Jesus have to come? As a man, well, there's lots of reasons we'll talk about in a minute. But one reason is is that God gave the earth to men; man gave it to the devil. In order for Jesus, in order for God to get it back, He had to come as a man so that He could redeem the earth back to mankind. So now Adam and Eve are in the garden. And of course, they eat the they eat the fruit. I think it was a fig. I hate figs. And God comes in the garden. Now, when God came in the cool of the day, the Bible says that they heard God coming. Now, I don't know if he whistled, but the psalmist depicted that when God walked, the earth shook. And I'd like to propose that God's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and when he's walking, the earth is... And the birds... And the, and the animals, and all the living creatures. And, and Adam, when they hear God, they don't run away from him. How many know they don't yet know fear? They run to God. God's walking through the garden. The birds are flying around them. The, the animals are all happy that God's there, like with my dog when I come home. Adam and Eve run to God. It's, it's exciting. But this day, Adam and Eve stay away. And God begins to, begins to shout, Adam, where are you? How many know if God can't find you, you're really lost? (laughs) I'd suggest that God knew where they were geographically. When God said, Adam, where are you? He wasn't talking about his geography, he was talking about his heart. Adam, I'm here. Where are you? And, And so God says to Adam, The Lord God called the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your sound in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree, which I command you not to eat? And the man said, the woman, (laughs) this is not my fault. I woke up, whoa, man, here I am, stuck. it's her fault. And 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 the man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What have you done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you. Did you see how it went from I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and the next verse says, and the, next, the rest of the verse says and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Did you notice it went from she to he? It's a prophecy about Jesus. But let me stop for a minute. The curse over the serpent. Did you notice that when God cursed the serpent he immediately crawled on the ground? He got transmortified. He went from Lucifer to Satan. And suddenly he was revealed on the outside for what he really was on the inside. And the curse over the serpent was, and I will put enmity, it means hostility between you and the woman. That wasn't the curse over the woman. It was the curse over the snake. God said, here's your curse. The woman will eternally hate you. And she will teach her children to hate you. How many know you were born to hate one thing? You're like, I hate chocolate. No, you don't hate chocolate. You hate the devil. You dislike chocolate, but you hate the devil. And then the Lord says, and she will teach her seed to hate you. And eventually he, Jesus. And in fact, in in the Hebrew it says, and he will stomp you so hard, he will crush your head and bruise his heel. That was a prophetic declaration about the future. Are you with me? Then Eve, God says to Eve, Eve, you're going to have increased pain in childbirth and your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule you. Your desire will be for your husband, he will rule you. Let me stop and say this. How many understand that the woman was, came from the rib of the man? She wasn't from the foot or the head. She was made to stand beside him. Some people are like, well, wait a second, she was his helper. Yeah, the word helper there, or I'm going to make you a suitable helper, that word helper is used three times for the woman and 16 times for God. Eve wasn't a slave. She was a helper like God helped him. Well, I don't know if the woman was powerful. Who did the Lucifer go to? Well, well, that was because she's easily deceived. Really? Who did the man listen to? I'd propose that she was pretty powerful. And by the way, did you notice that even in the curse, even after the curse, that woman was not under man, she was under her husband. Only when they got married was she under him, in the curse, right? God says, your, you, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule you. How you understand, man didn't rule woman under the curse, husband ruled wife. And that rulership was a curse. Good word, Chris. Thank you for that. (laughs) What was the curse over Adam? Adam, you will till the ground. By the sweat of your brow, you will till the ground. And it will yield thorns and thistles. In other words, you're going to work really hard and do what you normally do do to plant fruit and have the fruit grow. But instead of just fruit growing... It's going to yield thorns and thistles. And you're going to have to work really hard just to make a living. And God goes, that's a curse. Are you following me? Okay. I know I'm right. <laughs> so let's fast forward to the new covenant. In John chapter 3, Jesus is interacting with a Pharisee who is a good guy. There were some good Pharisees in the Old Testament. I mean, in the, in the New Testament. And his name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he's interacting with Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus, Truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. And Nicodemus is, you know, Nicodemus thinks inside of the laws of physics. And he says, Well, how can I be born again? I'm already born once. Like, how's that going to happen? Is my mom going to swallow me? (laughs) I came out one time. And Jesus goes on to say, Unless a man is born of the water and the spirit, he can't see the kingdom. Are, Are you with me? Uh, in John 3, 16, we all know this. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Are you with me? Okay, so let's go back. What happened? Adam and Eve, originally, they were supposed to walk with God, have fellowship with God, right? And, and lead the earth, rule the earth. What God wanted fellowship with them. They were born without a sin nature. Now, Adam releases sin into the world. And the Bible goes on to say through the book of Romans that when Adam sinned, he actually reproduced sin and his seed actually became corrupt. In other words, his sperm literally had in its DNA uh, that we were actually enemies of God. Like, he actually, when he made a bad choice, he didn't just sin. By the way, I think I already said this, but he changed masters, right? You know that he was... Leading, he was under God, but then when he made a decision to eat the fruit, he didn't just, he didn't just disobey God, he, did, he obeyed the devil. And that right there created in him a corrupt seed. Literally, sin spread through the seed of sperm. From human to human, we were inherently unrighteous. Did you get what I said? We were inherently unrighteous. So what had to happen? We were born from the, from the seed of Adam... But what happened when we met Jesus? We were born again. John goes on to say, 1 John, that we were born from the incorruptible seed of God. In other words, we went from having a sin nature, not because God created Adam with a sin nature, but because Adam made wrong choices, and in those choices, he polluted his seed. Now, we're not from the seed of Adam. When we were born again, we're born from the seed of Jesus. Are you with me? And what happens is, and now I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because I'm no longer of the seed of Adam. I'm from the seed of Jesus Christ. When I get born again, now why do I need to be born again? Because how many know that when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God said, in the day you eat it, you'll die. Well, we know they didn't die physically, but how many know they died spiritually? So what happens when I get born again is my spirit comes to life. Then the second thing that happens is, is the Holy Spirit moves inside. Remember in the, in, in the garden, God came in the cool of the day? Remember that? Yeah. Yes, Chris? Yes. Am I born you? God goes, I'm not leaving you anymore. <laughs> Listen, when I left you, you talked to the serpent. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. As a matter of fact, not only, not only am I not going to leave you, I think I'll just move in you. <laughs> So when I receive Jesus, my spirit comes to life, and the Holy Spirit comes inside of me. Now I am the house of two spirits. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and God's spirit lives in me. Are you with me? And no longer is my nature a nature of sin, because I've been born again. Think about this, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a, help me, new creation. Old things have? passed away, and all things have become new. Old things, he's not talking just about your acts. I did this sin, I did that sin. He's talking about your nature. <laughs> he's saying the old sperm nature you had from Adam has passed away, and now you receive an incorruptible seed, and Christ is now being formed in you. Are you with me? And the word new there, there's two words for the Greek word new. One means, one means like you got a new car. The other one means prototype, never before created. <laughs> How many know when you received Jesus, you became a prototype? You became a creature that never graced the planet before. That's why Peter said you're strangers and aliens. You're actually from another kingdom. You actually are from another kingdom. You were born, again, from a heavenly birth from another kingdom. It's not even your nature to sin anymore. Okay, now, let's back up for a second and say, why did Jesus die on the cross? Well, lots of reasons. The first reason is simple. The Son of God had to become the Son of Man so that sons of men could become sons of God. Simply put, one of the reasons why God God became a man is because man lost the earth. God gave man authority. Man gave authority to the devil, so God has to come as a man, right? So that he can get authority back to men. but... What's the most important reason why Jesus died on the cross? Well, he died on the cross so that he could pay for my sin. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for me. He actually died as me. Romans says that when Jesus hung on the cross, I hung with him. Are you with me? So that my nature died on the cross with him. Now, let's pretend for a minute that Candace is a judge. and, And Mike killed my brother. And you know, she's like God, she's the judge. And I bring Mike before the judge, and Candace goes, Oh, Mike, your dad is a friend of mine, go free. How many know that's mercy? But it's not justice. See, God sits on a mercy seat, but the foundation of his throne is righteousness and judgment. Justice, righteousness and justice. God sits on a mercy seat, but the foundation of his throne is righteousness and and justice. How many know God has a challenge? Because God wants to release mercy, but He has to create justice and righteousness. So, how many know she leaves, she lets Mike go? That's mercy, but it's not justice. Anybody ever used to watch Fox News when um, when Bill O'Reilly was on there? He would do this part of the show where he would find judges who like who let people like gave them a really light sentence who molested kids or raped people. Do you remember this part of this, the show? And he would find this the, this judge who... This man you know molested ten children and he lets them go with three th- I don't know, three months probation. And How many know something in us goes, that's not right. Why? Because like God, we want justice too. Are you with me? Because we were created in the image of God. So God has a challenge because he wants to release mercy, but he has to create justice. So what does God do? So, so Mike's mom comes and she, she says to, to, to Candace, Judge Candace, I will die for Mike. Oh, Mrs. Chandler, Mrs. Chandler. Wait a second, Mrs. Chandler. You can't die for Mike because, see, you're on the wanted list. See, you're a fugitive. How I many know oh, the soul that sins shall die? You can't die for him because you're actually on death row yourself. All of a sudden, the, 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 the son of the judge walks in the room and says to Judge Candace, I will die for him. All of a sudden, Candace looks through the oracles of all the fugitives and says, wait a second, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, wait a second. Wait a second, you're not a fugitive. You never sinned. So you can die for him because you don't owe for yourself. Suddenly I say, well, wait a second, he killed my brother. Yes, but your brother was also on death row because he was a sinner. He was a fugitive. So God says, I will give my sinless son, who would never die, for your sinful brother. So that I can create justice. So I can release mercy. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? In the new covenant. It's the covenant of the blood in what? Jesus Christ. How many you know, God said to Adam, here's the good tree, the tree of life. Here's the bad tree, the tree of death. He took the bad tree. But how many you know, we get to eat from the good tree Jesus put the good tree back in the garden and said, eat from this. And Jesus said, eat my blood, eat my blood, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Did you see that the tree in the garden was Jesus? They were to eat that tree and live forever. But how many know God put the tree back in the garden? (laughs) It's not the garden of Eden this time, it's the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, come eat from this tree. And you know what happens when you eat from this tree? God creates justice so he can release mercy. See, when God releases mercy over you, when God says, listen, you go free, you no longer owe for your sins, how many understand that God can do that and not be corrupt because he created justice so he can release mercy? That's why... So Ephesians says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which we formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the darkness, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, were formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature. Everybody say, by nature. We were by nature children of wrath. We were all by nature. By the nature of our DNA, we were children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. He raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places with Christ so that from the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith that's not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not as a result of works no one can, that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we'd walk in him. Let me just say this. When Jesus saved us by grace, what does that mean? It means I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, and as soon as I did that, grace was released to me. Grace is not just undeserved favor. Grace doesn't mean—Grace doesn't just mean well you deserve punishment, but He chose to ignore it. Grace is also the operational power of God. See, the Bible says that He saved you by grace. That means the devil had you. You didn't want to serve God. You were you were hostile towards God, and God goes, "I release grace to you." And God released grace to you. He didn't just give you permission to come. He actually gave you the power to come. All of a sudden, you could do what you couldn't do all your life. All of a sudden, God lives, releases grace on you, and you shake yourself from the dust of, of the, the devil's clutches, and now you say, I want to serve God. How did all that happen? You didn't even have the desire to serve God. And God goes, I release grace on you. When he goes, grace, it's like magic dust. <laughs> well, that, that's a little too bad we're streaming. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Very bad. God releases grace on you, and suddenly you have the desire, the unction to serve God, and you have the power to to, to lead darkness and to become light. How many of you know you don't just come in the light; you become light. Suddenly, no longer am I wicked. No longer is my seed in, wrath, in is based in wrath and unrighteousness. Suddenly, I'm a new creation. I'm born again. The Holy Spirit lives in me. The, 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 my, my, my spirit is righteous, and now I actually want to serve God. I have a, de- a destiny. I actually have the mind of Christ, and now I understand that I was born for glory. And how many know when Jesus died on the cross, he had a crown of thorns on his head? Why did he have a crown of thorns on his head? Because how many know that the gospel was supposed to be preached to every To all creation. Jesus said in Mark Mark 16, preach this gospel to all creation. How many know that the gospel is not just for humans? It's actually for creation. Why did Jesus have a crown of thorns on his head? What was the curse over Adam? You're going to till the ground, but it's going to yield thorns and thistles. How many know when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross with you in him and and a crown of thorns on him so that he released you from sin and he released creation. From sin. In John chapter 20, John and Peter run to the tomb. You'll remember this. John got there first. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why he mentions that. And Peter runs in. And they find Jesus is gone. He's risen from the dead. And they find two linen wraps. One that once covered the head is folded up and put in another place. But the part, the wrap that want, that covered the body is still lying on the same place where the body once lied. Why? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, the head was revealed. Jesus is the head of the body. But the body had yet to be revealed. So what happens? This is my last point. What happened when Jesus rose from the dead? The head was revealed, but listen to this. But the body had yet to be revealed. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider, Paul writes, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory the that's to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because him who subjected it in hope that creation itself would also, also, in other words, we got set free from slavery to corruption, would also be set free from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that all of creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth up until now." How many know the devil knows who you are? God knows who you are. The angels know who you are. Creation knows who you are. You're the only one who doesn't know who you are. <laughs> and all of creation is waiting eagerly What for what? How many know you had a born-again experience when you received Jesus? You were born again. And old things passed away, and all things became new. But how many know that creation itself has a born-again experience? In the, do you remember the book of Revelation? It says that I saw, the, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and I heard a voice that says, Behold, I make all things new. How many know Jesus is not making all new things? He's making all things new. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, just like you become a new creation it becomes a creation that's released from corruption into the glory of the children of God. This is a good word right here. Would you stand, please? You know, there's probably people in here, or maybe you're watching by Bethel TV, and you're like you're you've never followed Jesus. You've never been born again, and you're hearing this message, and you're like, This good this this news is too good to be true. Well, some things that are good too good to be true are true. And maybe you're in the room today or maybe you have followed Jesus and you've you've wandered away and you end up here today or end up watching today. I want to give you the opportunity to receive Christ and say, yes, I want to receive Jesus. I want to ask Jesus to be in my life and I want to follow Him the rest of the days of my life. If I could have the, the ministry team come, that would be perfect. If you would like to do that, I would just like you to raise your hand. I would like you just to raise your hand and as a sign, raising your hand is just a step of faith and you're saying, by faith right now I receive Jesus. Is there people in here raising your hand? It's awesome. And maybe you're watching us by Bethel TV, and I want to encourage you just to stand up. If you're in your living room or in your office, wherever you're at, just stand up and say, I'm taking a stand for Jesus right now. I'm asking Him into my life, and I'm saying, I want to follow you the rest of my days of my life. If that's you, just stand up in your living room. Stand up wherever you're at. And if you're in this room right now, I'd just like to... The Bible says that when one person gets saved, get this that the angels are happier than all the, uh, over you than they are over everyone else who's in the room today. So if you'd like, if you'd like to receive Jesus and follow Jesus and make Jesus your, your master and Lord, would you just raise your hand? Would you raise your hand right now? Anybody in here like to receive Jesus? Oh, right here. Awesome. God bless you. That's beautiful. Right here, too. We just bless you right there in Jesus' name. Is there anybody else you'd like to follow you? would like to be born again. You're like, I'd like this, I, I realize I'm kind of prone to doing the wrong thing, and I'd like to receive a new nature to do the right thing. Who else would like to be to do that today? Right over there, too. Awesome. We bless you. I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this. Some of you are, you're, you're. You're addicted to things like drugs or pornography or anger or bitterness or hatred. You're addicted to it. You've tried to get free. That's exactly what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying, "Listen, you can try to get free, but until you receive grace, you actually can't get free." Because sin is not just an action, it's a power. And so if that's you, I want you just to come up right over here where this banner is. Raise your hands, guys. These guys would like to pray with you. All of you that raise your hand, just, just come and they're going to take about 10 minutes with you. They're going to give you a Bible. They're going to talk to you about Jesus for a few minutes. They're not going to ask you to join a church or an organization. And if you brought them, just come with them and just, just bring them up here. The rest of you, just put your hands out like this. I'm just going to bless you. How many you know blessings are a thousand times better than curses? Right here. When I bless you, something's going to happen to you. I love when the presence of God came to Obed-Edom's house. The ark went there, and it says in everything this house was blessed. How many you like your children like your teenagers to clean their rooms? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. That probably won't. But, but we will bless them anyway. So, Lord, we bless your people right here. We bless people watching by Bethel TV. We bless every person in this room. And, Lord, we thank you that we were created for good works in Christ Jesus. That you prepared beforehand like you actually have a plan and a purpose for our life. And, Lord, I pray that all of us would walk in your ways. And Lord, I just bless every single person in here that, Lord, that you would free them from any encumbrance and that joy would be the result. Let us live a joyful life. Let us be so happy that people that don't know you go, those people are either on drugs or they know Jesus. And I'd say probably the second. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless.